0: Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. We're going to dig into the Word. Grab your Bibles, notebooks, pens. You can text OLC Notes to 94,000. Uh, and we're going to jump in here this morning. Father, I thank you now as we turn to the Word. Lord, I thank you that you're here that your presence is here. And I pray now that you would just help us to center in and focus in on what you wanna say today. Lord, I thank you for uh, the fact that you are in this place. And Jesus, we love you. We give you all the praise. Pray that you would come and have your way in this place, in this moment, in your name, amen. We're finishing up a series today uh, because we're we're getting ready for something next week, which I'll explain in a little bit, that's going to be really cool. Uh, But we're kind of wrapping up this particular series, and we'll probably go back to it from different times and talk about values and culture and all this. Uh, But we're we're wrapping this up today, and we're going to be talking about something that, um, well, it's, it's it's been a vein for my life, for sure. Um, And so I want to dig into that, but just as a reminder, because sometimes, you know, we're not able to make all the weeks. I wanted to to just celebrate this or or recount this, remember all this stuff. The first week we talked about our foundation. We talked about how Jesus is our foundation, most important thing that we can declare here as one life. That He is the one that we build our lives on, our lives and our church on, and the salvation that we anchor our souls in. His words bring life and enable us to mature as we follow him. Pretty cool. Pretty awesome. And then we talked about community and how we are a church with community that is our lifeline. We love the church and believe it is the vehicle of hope to the world. We also believe it to be a lifestyle, not just a single service. We are a community on mission, and it is our joy to live out that mission together, not just on our own, but connected to other people. Last week, we talked about how people are calling. The church is not a building, but a people. We exist to reach people and help them Grow. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord and our God and our neighbor as ourselves. And it's in everything we do, we bring the life-giving hope of Jesus to everyone. This is this is our motivation. Now, today we're going to talk about our passion. What what what, what are we what are we passionate about? And I wanna I wanna talk in just a second about passion because sometimes passion, we, we put a very narrow filter on this word passion. Um, And we actually remove a lot of the importance of it in our lives. But for us here as a church, our passion is God's presence. We want to be a people that are passionate about the presence of God. Amen? Amen. It's something that we don't want it just to be one of the things that we do, but we want it to be something that motivates our life. It motivates what we do and how we act and it motivates how we function and how we set up our days. It motivates what we actually build in our lives and this is so important. The presence of God is so key in our lives. So key in our lives. I remember when I was, when I was young, one of the first times that I actually was in a service and was able to actually experience the presence of God. And I remember getting a taste of this and being like, I can never, never have enough of this like like, everything else pales in comparison to the presence of God. And I, and I think that, that there's a lot that can rob this, but I want to talk about this idea of the presence of God and, and, our, and the passion for the presence of God. We say it this way, that we were made to have, a, I love this, an uninterrupted relationship with God. How many of you are thankful for that? An uninterrupted relationship with God. It doesn't just end when you go home after church. It's here. It's here. It's right with us at all times with God and to passionately pursue his manifest presence. I'm gonna explain what I mean by manifest presence here in a minute. Whether we are meeting corporately or having coffee with a friend, we want God's presence to be known. This is what we're about when we talk about the presence of God. Now, um, there was, uh, you know, there's a story that kind of illustrates this idea really well. Um, there was a, a burglar that was breaking into a house one night and he was, he was breaking in and, and uh, as he was walking around with his flashlight, he heard, Jesus is watching. He froze and spinned around. What in the world is going on? So he didn't see anything, kept going a little bit further. Jesus is watching. He froze again and looked around and was like, what in the world is this? He couldn't see anything. Third time, Jesus is watching. He's like, what is going on? He looks, he spins around, and there's a parrot in a cage. He's like, a parrot? This is, this is dumb. He's like, parrot, what's your name? The parrot goes, Moses. He's like, who would name their parrot Moses? The parrot responds, the same people that named their pit bull Jesus. Now, now the presence of God is not like that. <laughs> it's not like a, a pit bull who's watching you. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about the presence of God. Uh, but he is watching and he is involved in our lives. And that's amazing. And we're so thankful that that's true. Uh, but, you know, and we're not burglars. So anyway, it's a story that perfectly illustrates it, but doesn't. It's just for laughs. Okay. When we talk about the presence of God, uh, the Bible is really clear to articulate Three different um, expressions of the presence of God. And I want to I lay these out because this is going to frame in what we're doing today. Uh, in the Bible, one of, the, one of these ways that the presence of God is expressed is, is what's called the omnipresence of God. The omnipresence of God is the fact that God is everywhere, all the time, in every place. In fact, in our lives, there is not one place that the presence of God is not in. It affects, it walks with us, it motivates, it moves in our lives. He's always present in those spaces. But then we also have what's called the indwelling presence of God. When you give your life to the Lord, the Holy Spirit fills your life. And you carry in you then the indwelling of the presence of God that resides in you. And and the indwelling of the presence of God does amazing things. It's what what guides you. It's what empowers you for your day-to-day life. It's what enables you to have gifts and function in these gifts. It's amazing. It gives you inner strength. It's the presence of God in you that gives you strength to live out your days. I, I, I am so keenly aware that if I start and I go into a day without first coming to a place of humbling myself and relying on the presence of God, that day is not going to go good because I get empty of Jason within like five minutes, and then there's nothing else. If I don't come back to a place of saying, no God, I'm gonna rely on your strength in me. But there's also the manifest presence of God, the manifest presence of God. And, and the manifest presence of God speaks to moments when God expresses himself in specific ways for key moments when people are seeking his face. See, the presence of God is always there, but there are moments, how many of you know this because you've experienced this in your life? You come into a worship service, you're in your car by yourself and you're cranking worship, whatever it is, you're in your home, and there's this moment when you feel the presence of God stronger than you did before, the manifest presence of God. See, see the cool thing about the way that God works is he loves to be with you in this uninterrupted relationship, but he also loves to be able to come down to pour out his glory to be upon your life. And so for us, we understand that there's these three areas or these three uh, expressions or ways that the presence of God works in our life. He's always there. How many are you thankful that the presence of God is everywhere? He's with you at all times. He's in you. He's empowering you. And he's also in these moments where we can come together and we can experience something special in his presence that he wants to pour out for you. This is what has been so cool about it. as you look through church history, the revivals that have taken place and the outpourings of the presence of God that have taken place all throughout church history. It's a moment where there is the manifest presence of God that pours out about, upon his people. We saw it in Azusa Street, and even lately we saw it you know, back east. We see these moments where God just meets his people. Now, now they're, they're both in these big moments where sometimes we're at a worship service. Sometimes we're in these moments where it's like, man, okay, the presence of God is here. Courage, lifting up, strengthening. But it can also be in, strong, in small moments when it's you and your Bible just sitting before the Lord praying and just asking his presence to come, and he shows himself to you. So all of these things are the presence of God. We desire to have this connection, and it's this thing that passionately pursues the presence of God. Now, now, what, what's so cool about the presence of God, there are many, many verses in the Bible that talk about what the presence of God does, okay? I wanna give you just six of them. One of these is in Psalm 16. In the presence of God, there is fullness of joy, which means that outside the presence of God, there's a lack of the fullness of joy. Fullness of joy is found in the presence of God. In Psalm 23, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will have no fear. Why? Because you are with me. So what does the presence of God do? Dispels fear. Removes those things in our life. Psalm 91 talks about how he is the, 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 the presence of God is our protection. He's the one who comes alongside of us. He protects us and guards us and lifts us up. Psalm 97.5 says this. It says that in the presence of God, the mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. There is power in the presence of the Lord to melt mountains, to remove these things. The presence of the Lord, there's power there. Matthew 11 Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and my burden, which is light, upon you, and you will have rest for your souls. And then in 2 Corinthians 3, in the presence of God, we're actually transformed from glory to glory. It's in the presence of God that that our old man is transformed continually removed and minimized and the presence of God changes us and increases us and, and molds us into who he's called us to be and shapes us into who he's called us to be. All of these things that happen when we are in the presence of God. But how many times do we know that in our lives, the presence of God or the pursuit of the presence of God can just be mundane, empty. It could just become this thing that it's like, Yeah, I I believe the presence of God is there, but do we contend for the presence of God? David so clearly in the Psalms all the way through, he articulates all the time about the importance of being in the presence of God, to not cast him away from the presence of God, the importance of being able to be connected with the heart of God. Now, now, here's what I understand about the presence of God. When he comes and when he brings, again, if we're thinking about the presence of God, the fullness of joy, the removal of fear, protection, mountains that are melting in the presence of God, burdens that are list- lifting, a transformation that takes place in our life. God has an outpouring of that for his people. He has that today. You, you, you look at what's so cool around the world right now, but in our world right here in Nampa and in One Life, There's a stirring taking place for a desire and a passion for the presence of God like never before. I'm seeing it. You know, beginning of of, uh, August, we did uh, first Friday worship at Bond and Bevel. And that little coffee shop was packed with almost 100 people that were just passionately pursuing the presence of God. And meeting with God right there in that moment times here on Sunday where I'm seeing God just reveal himself in some incredible ways in some new ways where these things are being experienced, the the fullness of joy, the lack of fear, the the protection and the burdens being lifted and all of this are taking place in our midst. Um, I had the privilege a couple weeks ago to go um, and Elaine is doing um, encounter youth prayer. So for an hour before youth on Sunday nights, uh, once a month, the, the kids will come together and pray. And then I just stayed, and we did just unplugged acoustic worship. And I'm telling you what, it's been a long time since I was in a worship service like that. I'm telling you right now, there is something coming alive in our kids. And it can't be stopped. And there is a passion for the presence of God I haven't seen in a long time. And and I'm being completely honest, because I recognize it was in my heart too, to see the presence of God come and to see these youth that are passionate to pursue Him. It was inspiring. There's a stirring taking place in God's people. Why? Because God has a new outpouring of His presence. For your life, I want you to know that God has a new outpouring of His presence for you that brings fullness of joy, removes fear, doubt, worry, anxiety from your life, brings protection in your life that melts the mountains that are standing in your way, the obstacles that are in front of you, that lifts your burdens and transforms your life. The presence of God wants to come and do this. How many of you are in for that? Like, that sounds awesome. That sounds awesome to have the presence of God do this. Okay. Now here's the thing about passion. And this is what I was talking about before. Passion is more than a feeling. See, a lot of times when we, when we say the word passion, we get this idea that it's like, oh they're passionate. Like they're just, wow, they're all out. And it's just like, it shows, you know? And then everybody else is like, well, I'm, I'm not passionate then, you know? Why? Because it's equated to this external thing in our lives. But passion is much more deeper than that. It's an intense, this is the definition of it. It's an intense desire and enthusiasm that, get this, can barely be controlled. It's barely controllable. Think about your life. What are some of the things in your life that you're so passionate about that you are barely controllable? We all have them. We all have areas of our life that we're passionate about. It's the things that we can't get enough of and we can never live without. What are we passionate about? Psalms 42, David writes this, he says, as the deer pants for the flowing streams, so my soul pants for you. It's it's desperate for the presence of God. It wants it. Oh God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? David's heart all the time was, when can I go? When can I go? When can I be in the presence of God? When's the next time that I can push away all these distractions in the side to be able to get into the presence of God? He recognized there was a passion in him that desired the presence of God more than anything else. It was deep-rooted. It was deep-rooted inside of him. When we talk about a passion for the presence of God, it's a, a rooting inside of us that will not leave, minimize, diminish the desire for the presence of God and for the things of God in our lives. It is a resolve that anchors us and moves us forward. And yes, it has outworkings and it has enthusiasm and there's expression and all of this, but it's something that is rooted much deeper inside of us. Here's the thing about passion that is so important though, is that our passion for the presence of God is fueled by, a revelation of who he is and what he's done. See, a lot of times we get passionate about all this peripheral stuff rather than coming back to the point of saying, no, I want my passion to be directed on who God actually is. It's a good thing for us as believers to use this as an opportunity to come again to God and say, God, is my passion centered on who you are Or has my passion got deterred onto something else? Has it been misdirected? Maybe even good things. But is my passion directed on on you and what you've done? See, when we are passionate about who he is and what he's done, it gives us faith for the future. It helps us to believe and contend for what he will do. Why? Because we look back and we see what he's done. It's, It's an anchoring in our core. Now, now here's the, here's the thing about passion. Sometimes, passion simply looks like falling at the feet of Jesus because that's all you can do. Maybe in the middle of your life, you're walking through a very, very hard time, and you go, it's really hard for me right now to even in a, in a worship service to express worship because of what I'm walking through, that valley moment of your life. Or can I tell you that passion means that when there's nothing else that you can do, you continue to fall at the feet of Jesus for his strength. You continue to come back to him as the source for everything you need. In the Bible, we see this story of this woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years. Doctors couldn't help her. Nobody could do anything. And what do we see? That the passion for having that miracle take place in her life drove her to simply fall at the feet of Jesus. That's all she had left. All of her money was expended, all of her time, all of her energy, her relationships, everything was gone. All she could do was fall at the feet of Jesus. I want to tell you today that if you are in a moment where it is hard to have a joyful, expressive passion for God, that your passion for God that will bring you back to coming back to him every single time, even in the middle of hardship, even in the middle of trials, even in the middle of pain, that brings you back to say, and still I believe in my God. That's passion, that's passion. Now, the things of life can rob passion, but I believe that in this outpouring that God has for us, that there can be a rejuvenation of passion inside of us and the core for what he has for us. Passion is contagious. When there is a passion for anything, presence of God, anything, it's contagious. It's actually an interesting thing to be thinking about in your life. We all are contagious around something. What's contagious about you? If I was to spend an hour with you, what would rub off on me? Oh, it's just a good thought what you're passionate about will be what rubs off on the people around you so a good gauge is with the people that I have hung out with recently what's the conversation been about what have I gotten excited about what have I infused into them that when they walked away they were like wow they are they are passionate about remote control cars <laughs> like w- w- wow what are we passionate about if our passion is shifted we can come back and say, God, would you recenter my heart again? Would you recenter my heart again? Amen? Amen? Okay. Now, there's two things as I was processing through this that can actually rob passion. And there's probably more, but I, as I was praying through, these are the two that I really wanted to, to focus on for a second. One of the things that can rob our passion for God is shame and guilt and condemnation because of what we've done. Because a lot of times the enemy comes to try to sow in this thing that says, listen, if you actually go into the presence of God and if God really knew you, you'd be rejected. And so what do we do? We keep it at arm's length. If God really knew everything about me, if if I was actually able to step into the presence of God and he just read my mail, he'd reject me. Can I tell you something? That's a lie of the enemy. It's the enemy that's causing you and trying to keep you from entering into the presence of God to coming with freedom, knowing that your sins and your shame and your guilt have been paid for once and for all on the cross. That all of that's been taken care of to where now you have open access to the presence of God, to a father that's sitting there with his arms open wide to receive you. Junk and baggage and all. We get to come into the presence of God. Hebrews 4 says this, I love this. Since then, we have such a great high priest, who? Jesus, who passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every way has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us then with confidence, say that word. What is it? Draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. We have open access to come to receive grace that we may draw near to the Father. I I think that this is a breath of fresh air for us because I think we all, in some way, shape, or form, carry a little bit of shame and a little bit of guilt over certain areas in our life, wouldn't you say? The enemy weaves this in like crazy. He plagues your mind with telling you that you're not good enough and with telling you that that's also how God thinks about you. It is a lie. If I, if I can tell you one thing today. It's that if there is a lie of condemnation, shame, guilt put on your life here today, I want to pray that that is broken off when you leave church today. That you are able to enter into the presence of God clean, free, whole before, the, before God because of what Jesus did in your life. I want us to believe that. What would happen if we were to live that way? Devil, you can't bring no shame on me. What are you talking about? I'm forgiven. Boy, but, but last night, no, there's no guilt. I'm forgiven. I've come before the Father, and I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed because of him. That would change our life to be able to boldly come before the throne of God like that, wouldn't you say? Yeah. That's the reality that we live in. That's the reality that we live in. The other thing that I recognize that can rob the presence of God can rob our passion for the presence of God, is our appetite. Appetite's really interesting because the more that you feed yourself something, the more that you will actually desire that. So whatever is the thing that you are feeding yourself the most in your life is what your spirit, your mind, your body, your soul will actually crave more than anything else. This this is what is so powerful about addictions. And this is anybody that's walked out of that is you feed yourself some of this stuff more and more in your life. And then what happens is that's the only thing that you crave. The only thing that you wanna come back to over and over and over again. So what happens is there's a lot of things and it doesn't even have to be addiction, but there's a lot of things in life that can actually rob our appetite for the presence of God. Because there's a lot of things that actually have a lot of immediate gratification in our lives, that we can feed ourselves a little bit of this stuff, and then we can get focused on those things, and then before we know it, our appetite isn't for the presence of God. We have no appetite for it. We have appetite for all of these other things. So shame can keep us from entering the presence of God, but also what we do in our lives, the things that we feed ourselves, the things that we actually focus on, the things that we ingest, can actually twist and move our appetite that was supposed to be centered on the God to other things. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in our lives, these are things that we need to be really aware of and use again as a spiritual gauge. For where has our appetite for other things maybe outweighed our appetite for the presence of God? We need to evaluate that in our life. Because if we don't, what happens is we continue to feed us ourselves these other things. And our appetite for them just continues to grow and grow and grow. And what happens when that takes place is the appetite for everything else starts to diminish, including our appetite for the presence of God. So today, if you're identifying in your life, and we're gonna, we're gonna have time to respond to this here in a little bit. If you're like, you know what? My appetite has gotten way, way off. Lord, would you come and reshape, recenter, refocus my appetite again for the presence of God. Reset. Now, for the last little bit of time that we have here, I want to go into um, looking at Israel. Israel gives us a really, really good example of how not to do things. <laughs> how many of you are thankful for examples of how not to do things, right? Uh, I think these are just as powerful sometimes as the examples of how to do things, you know, was, oh, don't do that, right? Yeah. Um, and yet when I read uh, about Israel and when I read through Exodus, I find we're the exact same way, you know? How many of us read and we're like, how could the Israelites be so how could they possibly do that, like make such a bad decision? And then you're like, oh, I did the same thing, right? So um, there's nothing new. We're all the same. We all make mistakes. Can we just own that, that we all, we all get off track, right? We all, we all get focused on other things, and we get our minds and hearts and everything focused in that. But if we look at Israel, we can identify a lot in Israel that's very similar to us and how we are. As I look at their story, and I'm going to go to a key part, as I look at their story, and their interactions with the presence of God, they actually, their whole journey begins, and this, by the way, is a cycle that takes place in our life and it's a cycle that took place in their life. They experienced the presence of God. You see, in each one of our lives, there's a moment where we experience the presence of God. Again, sometimes it's not this massive, crazy worship service and it's just insane, but it's just us driving along in our car at home when it's quiet and it's just us where we experience the presence of God. The Israelites, if you go back to Exodus 13, they experienced the presence of God because what happened is they were removed from Egypt. They were set free from Egypt. And how was that possible? God revealed his presence in some pretty powerful miracles that take place. So they left after the plagues and they went down. And then what happened? They came up to the Red Sea. And what did he do? He parted the Red Sea for them so that they could be able to walk through on dry land. Really cool stuff. But then what's cool is in Exodus 13, we see that not only did God do all these things for his people, but then he came as a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. They lived continually in the presence of God, experiencing the presence of God. The thing about the cloud as you study it is the cloud led them and directed them, but it also was over them. And it created this canopy and this shade and this protection from the sun. The presence of God was overshadowing them to protect them against the harshness of the sun in the desert. But then also what happened is at night, the pillar of fire led them. It provided warmth and it also provided protection for them. The presence of God, they lived in close proximity with the presence of God every single day. How many of you think that that's really cool? I think that that would be amazing. I mean, it would, if, if there was a pillar of fire that would show up here, we would all run and the sprinklers would, no, I'm just kidding. But there's, it would, it would, it's just amazing, it's amazing to think about. And you go, Israelites, how did you like get off track? You had like a pillar of fire and then a cloud that covered you and led you. Like, how did that happen? But then we see that took, this took place with them. And is in Exodus 32, we see that their passion for the presence of God and was leading them to follow the presence of God and to follow after him was misdirected. Moses went away and, and literally, this, this is very comical to me, Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses was delayed to come down from the mountain, how many of us ever have felt that God is delayed in doing something in our life and we get impatient? Nobody here because we are extremely mature Christians. When the people saw that Moses was delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, up. I love that. Aaron, up, get up. Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, I just the terminology is so crazy. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. Like, guys, it hasn't even been that long, like for crying out loud, right? And you're just ready to throw them away. So and Aaron goes, I got you covered. Give me all your gold. We'll melt it, make a calf. And he says, all right, here's your God and led you through the wilderness. And we look at that and we go, you guys are crazy. Like you guys are out to lunch. Until we start to realize how many times in our life the passion for the presence of God gets misdirected in our lives. We start to realize, you know what? Something's not off. And we've tried to replace what the presence of God can bring with other things. We look for the fullness of joy in other things, we look for protection in other things, we look for a miracle to take place in other things. And suddenly what happens is the passion that was at one time experienced and centered on God has now been misdirected. Now, now here's the thing, and I'm going somewhere with this. When their passion was misdirected to other things, and there was really it was just idolatry, we'll call it what it is, it was idolatry. They were worshiping other things in the place of God. There were consequences that were received. You know what the consequences were? God had promised that he was gonna go up into the land that he had promised with them and to wipe out the enemies before them. In this moment, he said, listen, I can't go with you because if I did, I would destroy you because you're a stiff-necked people. I'm sure that God wants to say that to some of us. You're a stiff-necked person. So he said, I'm gonna send my angel instead of you, but I can't go with you. What happened? And the passion for the presence of God was misdirected to other things. The natural consequence, natural consequence was the presence of God going away. Reminder, the omnipresence of God never goes anywhere, but we can do plenty to uninvite and stifle the manifest presence of God in our lives. There's a lot that we can do to get misdirected to where all of that just becomes, oh, what were, what we need to see these things take place. God's just, He's delayed. <laughs> I just I, I just remember that that line from the Lord of the Rings, you know, the wizard is late. No, wizard is never late nor early. He's just on time. I think about that with God all the time. He's not late or early. He's on time. If we would just wait on him. So what happened? The people were shaken to their core when they realized that their passion for the presence of God had been misdirected onto other things. In Exodus 33, verses four through six says this, when the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned and no one put on his ornaments. The ornaments were the things that they had brought with them from Egypt. Egypt. They were the things from a past life that they had continued to carry with them. They did not put those on. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the people, you're a stiff-necked people and for a single moment I should go up with you. I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. And therefore the people stripped themselves of the ornaments. There was a repentance that took place there when they understood that their passion for the presence of God had been misdirected. A repentance that took place. Now what happened in that moment was powerful because ultimately God came and he forgave and he pulled them back to himself because he's a God of love and a God of mercy. And can I say that he does that in our lives when our passion for him wanes, when it gets misdirected on other things, what does he do? He comes to love us. And sometimes there's consequences. Sometimes there's even correction but he comes to love us back into a relationship of alignment back with him again. He does this every single time in our lives. So we see here that this was what was gonna take place and the beautiful thing about it is that the presence of God was gonna come and rest amongst his people in a powerful way. Now, I'm gonna go here, I'm gonna do this very quickly. Moses then in this moment of the people who hadn't experienced with the presence of God, but yet their their passion for the presence of God was misdirected, there were consequences. They came back and they repented. Moses says, okay, listen, this is an opportunity for a reset. This is an opportunity where now you have repented, come back into alignment with God, renewed your passion for the presence of God. And he says, listen, there's a reset taking place in your life right now. And because there's a reset, it's an opportunity to pursue the heart of God like never before, And so what he does is he sets up the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting was a special place that was different than the tabernacle. The tabernacle was going to come and the tabernacle was centered in the very center of the tribes. And when you looked at it, the tribes would be laid out from either side of it and actually formed a cross. And it was really kind of cool. But the tent of meeting, Exodus tells us something very different about this in verse seven of chapter 33. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And whenever Moses would go out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch. Moses, until he got into the tent, and then this is the cool thing, when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. Moses shows us some really, really important things here. And the most important thing, if you, if you boil it all down to the most important thing that Moses, Moses intentionally pursued and reverently approached the presence of God. It was not an accident that the tent of meeting was outside the camp because it took intentionality to pursue the presence of God. Can I say that for us, the example that it gives us on this side of the cross, and when we have access to the presence of God, what it does for us is it shows us that we are to intentionally pursue God. And we're to reverently approach the presence of God. This is what we're called to do. Moses laid this out perfectly. So then we go in and jumping down to verse 11, this promise, this is so cool, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses. What was the result of stepping out and stepping into was that God would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. What do we see from this passage? God, and I believe this is the word for us today, God is calling us out of some things, in order to call us into some things. Because you see what Moses had to do to be able to enter into the presence of God, and again, I'm talking about the manifest presence of God, to to intentionally go after something. He had to leave the mundane. He had to leave the day-to-day. He had to leave and step away from the responsibilities that he had in order to pursue the heart of God. The call of God is the same for us today. What are the things you need to step out from in order to pursue. For all of us, there are things that have distracted that I would say have come in to kind of rob some of this passion that we have. But for us to be able to recognize those things. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you, know, you just get to leave all your responsibilities and go to the presence of God. That's not what I'm saying. You know? Like, well, my kids and my job, and so I'm just gonna quit all those things. No, I'm not saying that. But there are things in life that have become a part of who we are that God is calling us out of in order to experience a new level with him. A new level with him. I believe it. I believe it. As we get ready to conclude today, um, I, I, I wanna take a minute and this might feel a little, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna try to pastor this as best I can. And I'll have the worship team come up. You guys can come up. Um, what I want to do today is I want us to to hear what God was speaking through Moses and using Moses as an intentional um, light example to be able to call people out and in. See, I believe that we are very similar to Israel in a lot of ways, We've experienced the presence of God. We've been close to the presence of God. We've walked with God. But there are things in life that misdirect our passion for him and pull us away. And in life, what takes place is when we come back to, and the word is repent, when we come back to a place of repenting for what has drawn us away from the presence of God, there is a new feeling that God wants to bring to the people because it clears the air And it's a calling out from, and it's a calling in to. For us to be a people that are passionate for the presence of God, it is a people that say, you know what, I'm going to intentionally pursue the presence of God. And if that means that I need to repent of some of the things in my life that have filled my mind and my heart and have have grabbed a hold of all my attention and I need to pull away from those in order to step into the presence of God, I want to do that because I want to be close to the presence of God. To to end the service today, we're going to do something that that is really just it's it's pretty practical. We're going to sing a song, and I want I want us to to be able to respond today. And and my question for you: um, How many of you, as you as you think about your life and you think about um, your passion for the presence of God and? whether you're you're on fire for the presence of God, you desire God, you desire closeness with him and relationship and that uninterrupted relationship with him, or there's a lot of stuff that has misdirected and placed your passion levels on other things. Other things have filled your mind and your heart and your attention and your focus. Where Where would you gauge yourself this morning? And if there are things that have misdirected, like the Israelites would, that misdirect our passion for the presence of God, our desire for the presence of God. What are those things? In your life, this is just between you and God, what are some of those things that maybe have misdirected the passion for his presence, the desire for his presence, the desire to be close in this uninterrupted relationship with him? And what I want to do today is I just want to give an opportunity for us to Come back and repent if there's an area that we need to repent for where we've gotten pulled off in any direction that might be there. And an opportunity to step into this next season that God has for us. Because I believe this. I believe this, church. God has something special that he wants to pour out to you. There's something that he wants to speak. There's something that he wants to do. There are things that he wants to unlock for us here at One Life Church. And I believe it takes a people... That are going to say, you know what? I'm going to come back into alignment where nothing else matters but God. There's other things that have clouded my life, but I'm coming back today to God. How many of you would say you, you've got that? You, you can identify in your life some of those areas where maybe they've distracted a little bit, okay? They've kind of pulled away. Now, what I want to do today is if that's, you, if that's you and you're able to grab a hold of something that you're like, you know what, I, just, I need to spend a minute just repenting from this in my life for this thing that has pulled me away, it's gotten me distracted, it's gotten me off the focus of God and who he is. I want to repent of that so I can come back in alignment. But also, if you're here and you're like, you know what, I recognize in my life right now, it's been a little dry. For whatever reason, I want to just meet with God again. I just want, I just want Him. There's a lot of stuff going on in my life right now, but I don't want to push it all aside to be able to just be with Him. How many of you have a lot of stuff floating around in your head that's kind of overwhelmed all of your thoughts and everything going on, right? So I want to do this as given opportunity. here's here's how we're gonna do this. I wanna open these. There's lots of spaces over on the side, in the front, over on the sides. And and what I want you to do is I want you, if you're comfortable with this, if if you just wanna hang where you are, that's totally fine. But I do wanna invite you to take a step of saying, just as Moses did to be intentional about pursuing the presence of God, to being intentional to go after the presence of God, For us as a church here to be able to actually do that is to take a physical step. And I want you to, if you're comfortable with it, find a place and all you're gonna do is find a place for you to be with God. That's all it is. If that means sitting in your chair, finding a place to kneel down, whatever it is. But I want this to be a second where you evaluate your life as a person where you're at to say, where am I at with my relationship with God? Where am I at this morning? And if some things really clouded it and torn it down, I want those things gone so that I can have a fresh relationship with God, that I can have a fresh connection with him again like never before. Does that make sense, what we're gonna do? Okay, why don't we stand this morning? Why don't we stand? And uh, the worship team is gonna lead us into uh, a song. And... uh, And I want to invite you just to to move, again, if if this is uncomfortable for you, that's totally fine, but I do want to encourage all of us, because this is the response of these things. I want us to all be in a place where we can actually grab a hold of what God's doing in our life, where he's challenging us to come back to a place of affection towards the Father, where we've gotten distracted, where we've gotten uh, all over the place, to be able to come right back into alignment with him. It's really important for us as a church to identify those things in our life to be able to allow the holy spirit to do work in those so we're going to pray And, and and just as we sing i'll just invite you to find a place this is going to be no instructed it's not going to be you know i'm not going to do anything other than just say it's going to be as soon as we start singing find a place just to be with god evaluate your life where do i need to repent from what i've done for where things have been for what i've allowed into my mind and where do i want to pursue god in a fresh way today I'm going to be writing it down here with you because I've recognized it too. I've recognized in my life where there's some things that have gotten in the way of my relationship with God. So the band's going to lead us and then we'll just find a place and then I'll pray and we'll close it out in a second. But go ahead and lead us.